I'm Matt Dixon, and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. And welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. As ever, your host, Matt Dixon. And let me ask you this. What happens when you're born in Morocco with one of your legs missing the large bone in the upper leg? Yep, the femur. You've got a dedicated family, but absolutely no access to elevated medical care, no chance for corrective surgery, high-end prosthetics. What do you do? You get on with life. At least, this is what Mohamed Lana did. His parents taking him to the local cobbler to incrementally build up a platform to help him walk normally, staying inspired despite being told that he wasn't allowed to participate in gym class at school throughout his disability, and taking the chance to come to the US where the world of sport opened up after being connected with the Challenged Athletes Foundation, and finally his journey to completing the Hawaii Ironman World Championships, the famed Norseman Triathlon, the toughest Ironman in the world, a run across the Sahara, and, of course, what we'll talk about today, the Paralympic bronze medal. It is a story of mental and physical resilience, adaptability, and great accomplishment in the face of challenge and adversity. I would say that sounds like a story for our times. Wouldn't you agree? Today, Mohamed Lana and the story of Paralympic success and beyond, one of my proudest coaching journeys. But before we dive in, we've got a few juicy bits and you're going to want to listen to these. So for the squatty update, it's Giving Tuesday. We've got three things to get through. The first, We are aligning with the Challenged Athletes Foundation, continuing our drive to support adaptive athletes. And you're going to hear plenty of this in our chat with Mo in just a few minutes. Well, Giving Tuesday, it's a global generosity movement, unleashing the power of people and organizations to transform their communities and the world. And with this in mind, we're encouraging you guys, the listeners and the athlete community, to help transform the lives of physically challenged athletes by donating to the Challenged Athletes Foundation. This is a continuation from our seismic effort over the course of the Performance Reset 2020 event. And I'll just let you know, We are very thankful for you, for your great support throughout this. And now, today, our final push for the Challenged Athletes Foundation cause for 2020. The donation link is going to be available in the show notes and, of course, all across our social media. So keep an eye and we will be very thankful for your support and engagement. I think by the time you listen to my chat with Mo, you get it. You'll really, really get it. But a couple more. I want to tell you about something brand new. We revealed this at Performance Reset 2020, but I'm excited to announce the Purple Patch Performance Academy. It is launching this coming week, December the 1st. It is brand new. And this program is specifically designed for fitness enthusiasts and athletes of all levels looking to improve their performance in sport and perhaps most importantly, life. Now, you might be an avid listener of the show. You might follow in our newsletter of which you can sign up at the website, of course. But you might at the same time be self-coached or already be in a great coaching relationship and we wouldn't, wouldn't want to break that. Perhaps we don't have the right programming for you. You might not specifically be a multi-sport athlete, but if you love the Purple Patch mindset and education, but are just left feeling like you want a little more, a chance to learn at a deeper level, to be able to engage directly with myself rather than just listening to me pontificate, as well as all of the other performance experts that we interview on this show and have as engagement across the Purple Patch platform. And if you want to connect with like-minded people, people just like you that are seeking performance, If you want to go deeper on some of the conversations we have on here, well, if that's the case, we have designed Performance Academy for you. And it is timely 
It's really timely because health resiliency, what well, it has never mattered more. And so what we want to do is help you find your recipe for performance. We filter through the noise or the blizzard of bullshit, as I like to say, and enable you to focus on the important aspects of performance that are going to help you improve resilience, health, energy throughout the day and more. You've got curated bi-weekly education, live video sessions with myself and a host of other experts, access to bonus content and material from these podcasts, and a chance to embrace with our engaged community. And so you can head to the link in the show notes, Performance Academy, or if you head to the Purple Patch website, that's purplepatchfitness.com, go to the education tab and right there you're going to see all of the information. Really affordable, really fun, a chance to really engage and start to nurture your performance journey as we step into 2021. We're almost there, folks. We're almost to the Mo interview, but I do want to tell you about one more thing as well, and this is the biggie because it's time sensitive. We are doing for the first time a Black Friday Tri-Squad promo. It is live now. Barry, is it live now, mate? Yep, it is. Have we put it up there? We have. Huh? All right. All right, gang. It is live now. Purplepatchfitness.com forward slash squad. And this is a big opportunity for you to save money while locking in your 2021 season and planning and training. If you sign up for an annual squad membership, so it's an annual membership, we are going to give you two months three. Yes, two months for nothing. Just show up. The only ask is you do the work. So you've got to register for an annual squad membership, two of the months free. That's almost $200 in savings. The offer is valid now. I mean, right now, Barry just told me, but here's the kicker, and it's a big kicker. This is only live through the 1st of December. That's Tuesday. Done. After that, done. Jump in the offer. And of course, it's important, it is locked in for the year. There's no cancellations, there's no getting out of jail on this one. You have till Tuesday to register, two months free, Black Friday, it's crazy. I feel like I need to go to the institution. And with all that done, let's get cracking. Mohamed Lana, challenged athlete, finisher of multiple marathons, the Hawaii Ironman World Championships, Norseman, a host of crazy and other adventures, and of course the Paralympic medalist. He is a beacon of inspiration for everyone, and he is one of my most rewarding coaching relationships I have had. You guys are going to love it. Let's get on with it. It is the meat and potatoes. guys it is the meat and potatoes and today well it's one of my special guests it's just another purple patch athlete although just not any athlete Mohamed Lana the 2016 Paralympic bronze medalist but really that medal is just a little fleck of golden dust relative to the absolutely magic career and coaching journey that I had. Mohammed, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Oh, I've been trying to avoid having you on this show for years. <laughs> and, <I'd... laughs> and now here we are. God, we're burdened with each other for the next few minutes. But uh, I think that a fair few people will, will know you, some of your story but um, and our coaching story, which we're going to get into. But uh but what I do with every guest that we have on the show is I'm always interested as their story as a human being and where they come from and their background and their education. I think your story is actually fundamental to the fabric of your athletic journey. And so why don't you just spend a couple of minutes, as I do with every guest, but I really want listeners to, 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 to listen to this part. Tell me a little bit about your, your background, where you grew up, your family, et cetera. Yeah, so uh, 
I took you guys to Casablanca, Morocco. Um, my parents were expecting their first child. And uh, I mean, my parents were living in this crowded house with, with their relative too. And uh, just like my other sibling we were all born in the same room at home. And uh, yeah, there is a day for me to come out. And uh, as a stubborn as I, you can think, I came with my legs first. And they made it very challenging for the midwife to bring me out. And uh, uh, they had to break my, my left shoulder to bring me out. And it was, it was really crazy. Like I have the shoulder was blue broken. And this guy with this weird uh, right leg, they didn't know what to say. It was a quiet night at home, not a celebration. But uh, after a few days, uh, my parents... Uh, start to uh, accept that and it's it's mainly the 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 the, the pressure from the society and uh, how we always blame the mother for for everything so it took it took a few days before things like starting everybody to consider me as as a baby as just a baby with different uh, different leg and uh, yeah uh, since then the troubles didn't stop. I was so active running around. Uh, they always worry about me, like because I was walking kind of funky because I had a very short leg. And my dad one day took me to the local shoemaker who just puts a piece of foam, layers of foam to match up the height. And uh, it looked it looked better. So um, I don't remember any of these, but my parents were just trying to figure out what to do because uh, doctors, they didn't have anything to say, but take him home and take care of him. So no, no advice, nothing. So I was just, my parents were just going with the flow, trying to raise me like any other kid. And uh, in Casablanca, I mean, in Morocco in general, like soccer is the only sport that we play. You open the door and you are in the soccer field, basically. You just buy those cheap plastic foot, uh, soccer ball and you play around. And uh, yeah, I, I, I was like just fighting with other kids to be in the team like that we made up every time that we start playing. Uh, it doesn't always end up well because every time we lose or I do a wrong move, they start throwing those uh, word disabled to me. And uh, sometimes I will fight back. Sometimes I will cry home. And uh, I remember my mom always like she will. She said this thing to me. She said this thing to me like, I don't see anything. What they say, I don't see whatever what they said. So I'll go back and play. So every time she will send me back, and I think over time, like that that confrontation with other kids uh, built that strength that I'm so I'm so grateful for. And uh, it was just like this for, for many years uh, until uh, my dad, who is a taxi driver, uh, has this client with disabilities. So my dad started the conversation with him and he was telling him about me. And, and the guy, instead of going to his destination, he wanted to see me this, the right away. So he came home and, and I was so shy looking at this very tall, strong guy I shaked his hand and he's like, I didn't know that's a, a, a swimmer hand. It was so big. <laughs> and um, yeah, he, he put me on his lap and he'll start telling me about what he does. And he promised me he will take me one day to the pool. And, uh, and I was like for two weeks waiting for the day until one day he came and picked me up. And uh, I'd never been to a pool before. I still remember the smell of the chlorine of the pool. Uh, and I was so blown away seeing all these people swimming. This stuff, like I just seen on TV. I never dreamed of going to a swimming pool. And uh, so he told me to just sit on the board of the pool and wait for him to finish his workout. And uh, I, I, it turned out like the, the, the lifeguard was walking by and he saw me say, what are you doing here? Do you know how to swim? And I looked at him and I said, yes, I know. I said, show me. And I jumped and I found myself on the bottom of the pool. <laughs> so no surprise there. 
And how how old were you when this was happening? I was uh, 12, 13. Okay, okay, yeah. super. Super. Just just coming back, because I think it would be worthwhile with the listeners, you said you you know had this shorter leg. Let, let's explain exactly how you were born and i guess it's right to say you were you were born without a femur that's uh, which is the upper part of your leg and so um would it be right for me to say if if someone imagined from their knee down coming out of the hip is that the best way that you would explain yeah that's a really good uh, yeah that's a really good uh, explanation basically to, yeah you you put the knee directly to the hip i mean there is no hip but in the same in the same area yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't have a right hip socket. So basically, the top of the the knee just floating there. Yeah, exactly, and that that's actually going to become important later yeah. when we talk about the Olympics because you you obviously <laughs> no hip socket. The the booty is a big power place. You know your your quads, your hamstrings, your glute muscles. You you don't have any ability to generate force power out of those muscles, they, they don't exist. So um, so as we think about sports later in the conversation, I want listeners to to consider that in the achievements of, of what you've gone through. So you're, you're obviously very um, dominant across solely reliant on one leg. Um, it sounds like when you go back as, a, as an overarching sort of philosophy, after that initial phase, those first few days, your parents just got on with it. They, it sounds like they just raised you straight like any other kid and, and were almost, is it fair to say, relentless in their get on and go and deal with it, kiddo type thing? Yeah, so th- that was that was something that I'm, I'm so grateful because um, back in the time, I don't know right now, but back in the time when you have a kid with disability, I mean, we don't, it's not like, you have an intellectual disability or something like whatever disability you have, missing an arm, missing a leg, that's it. No, the society doesn't expect anything from you. Um, and and it's, the sad part is like even uh, in the school system that we don't expect anything from you. And I remember back in the time, um, like in my generation, there is nobody, there is a few, very few people like with, with high school diploma with physical disability. Most of the people, uh, they just they just give up school and just stay in a corner and they, they are not um, really part of the society. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm so grateful that my parents, they didn't take that and they were just pushing me. And their, 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 their philosophy is, and it's, it's kind of like also like, the same philosophy back in the time, like I'm missing a missing a leg. I need to be uh, like mentally strong, and also I need to focus on my education because I need to get a desk job because I can't do any physical job to 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 make a living. So that was their their idea. So they were so hard on me to get to stay on school and focus on my education, um, sports wise. They want to give me that little bit like any other kid, but the education was their, their main focus. Little did they know that they are educating the mental resilience <laughs> to, to create a, a world-class athlete. But uh, <laughs> and, and, and it's not like school was – you obviously had a passion for sport. Uh, you love playing soccer despite some of the harassing, bullying, and, and other stuff that happened there. You had your imagination – captured with your opportunity to go to the swimming pool etc but your school was really restrictive they they wouldn't let you actually participate at all yeah oh yeah that was that was a big big blow because i i was because uh physical education starts in middle school and high school and i was like all my elementary school i was looking for that day that i start playing uh Again, so basketball and handball and volleyball, those sports, like we don't have the infra- infrastructure for that. For me, so it's something like I'm waiting for that. I want to give it a try. I want to, I was excited that I would play basketball for the first time. And the first day I, I, I showed up to the class and the, 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 the teachers just came to me and say, he said, sorry, you can't be part of this because you have a physical disability. And there's no question, no no argument whatsoever. Just it's out of your curriculum, period. 
there is no chance. So, um, and it continued like throughout uh, high school. Uh, so I remember the first sessions, I, I, all, I, I almost had some hope I would show up even though it wasn't part of my curriculum. And I would just see my, my classmates playing basketball and handball and all those new sports. And sometimes I would just sneak in and try to like be like the, what they call that? Like I would just bring the ball to them. Like I would just be outside the court Whatever the ball come out, I will throw it to them, and um, that was something that I was hoping that the the, the 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 people in charge would see that and they will change their mind. But after a few sessions, they there was no question. So yeah, that was uh, yeah. So so here you are, you've passion for sport, unable to participate. Um, really strong. Uh, parenting really guiding you with uh, helping you with education etc you got a first quote prosthetic leg uh, I, I laugh at myself when I call it a prosthetic which is made with a series of little foam platforms increasing over time multicolored from the local cobbler or shoemaker um, how how did you then what was the first time that you sort of got access to riding a bicycle or, or coming to the US to pursue triathlon. T take me on that journey a little bit. Yeah, so so I remember uh, at this, at around 14, 15, we had this, this kid who was the only one that has a bicycle and he used to, he lives in France, like his family lives in France and they come to Morocco for the, for the summer vacation. And he's the only one that has a bicycle in the neighborhood. And he was a very, he was kind enough that he will let kids take a turn and play with it. And when it comes to my turn, I would just do the, the downhill and I would give it to him. So because it doesn't require any pedaling or anything. We just, for me, that was my first interaction with the bike ever when I was like 14, 15, going downhill. And I had to wait for many years until um, uh, my dad again heard about this, this, uh, this, um, the center, which is mainly for the military, uh, where they, they take care of the military. So I had to go there just knowing that we had no military relation whatsoever, but we just sometimes, this is what I learned from my dad. Just, just keep trying. You never know. So we went there, we saw the, the person in charge and he say, we can, we can do anything for you right now, but there is there is this training that's coming like in six months. I remember from this uh, this French process that is going to come to teach uh, the local process about um, uh, PFFD, which is my case, like any birth defect um, cases. And I think you are a good candidate to be to be here, and they will like learn on you how to make those legs. So for me, I was so excited because I will get my first proper. Uh, leg with the knee and I was I was so happy for that so the day come and the guy from France was was like doing his job and working on my leg and guiding the other process and one day at the end of the, the, the training he told me that he's planning to do this event the, the next year which is uh, bringing um, like uh, an MPT athlete from France and from Morocco to do this 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 first uh, 500 kilometers in the Atlas Mountains, and um, and he asked me would I would be interested to join, and without hesitation again, it's just that I yes I, I I don't know how to cycle, but yes, let's do it. So I don't have a bicycle, I don't know how to walk with the new leg yet, so. So I need to learn how to cycle. So again, another door that's open and uh, I don't know what's going to come from it. But uh, um, yeah, uh, who are supposed to get those bikes uh, like a year before the event and um, somehow we didn't get any bike. So I was waiting, waiting. I had to borrow a bike from a friend to cycle with it, to learn how to. And the month before the event, they give us the bike and uh, here we go. Uh, I, I, I had a month to practice like two or three times before starting 500 kilometers journey with- With, with, one, yeah. le with one leg. No, no this, time, 
yeah, this time with 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 my with my prosthesis with with the with the, the new leg. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Super. Okay. Super. Yeah. But but with that with that prosthetic, you're not able to generate power from that leg, really, no. 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 This is yeah. just yeah. Okay. Super. So. The U.S. Uh, bought, you're, you're in Morocco. You're riding 500 kilometers <laughs> off a, a serious training program of about two to three weeks, and uh, and now you're now you're sort of here. How how did you first come to the U.S. and get into training? Yeah, yeah. So after that event was in in 2005 in Morocco. Uh, I, I just want, I love the cycling because that was the first time I, I had the chance to visit Morocco, like visit my country because we never had the chance to go anywhere. Uh, so we had the, the Atlas Mountains. Uh, it was just amazing for me to visit that. So I wanted to do the same thing the following year. And I went for another another bike packing with, with other two people. And we went all the way to the south of, of Morocco where I, I wanted to see the dune for the first time. So it was like 1,700 kilometers in 23 days. And then after that event, it's just the, the confidence and, and the projects in my brain keep building. I heard about this word triathlon uh, from a friend and, um, and uh, I wanted to try it because I know how to swim, I know how to cycle. I want to give it a try. Uh, so nobody in Morocco does triathlon at the time, and um, and I was I was working at the time, so I had a little bit of money. I managed to go to France for first triathlon, and I loved it so much. Came back and said, "I need to get better in this." And uh, I was I was looking on Facebook about about this this uh, training camp it was in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, I'm using Google Translator, try to understand what's in the in the Facebook page, and uh, I, I'm using again Google Translator to write a message to the to the organizer, and uh, I just threw this. I don't know who was able to understand what I as I said in that message, and a couple of days later he replied to me, "Yes, you can join us uh, in this event," and uh, I was so excited. Applied for the visa. I don't speak any English word besides a couple words. <laughs> Landed in Atlanta, Georgia. The guy picked me up. We have no way to communicate uh, because I don't understand. I didn't understand anything he was saying. Um, two days later, this this girl would show up at five a.m. to for the first practice of swimming at uh, the Georgia Tech, and. Uh, she was from Canada studying at Georgia Tech for her master, and she speaks French. And uh, I felt home because finally somebody I can communicate with. And uh, she was like, she was, she was like with me the whole time, translating for me all the coaches say, all the other triathletes saying for me, to me. And um, yeah, I say this person. Uh, I shouldn't let go. So <laughs> she, actually, she actually really sort of helped you navigate that that first week and or that that camp and really opened up this world for you. I mean, she you obviously over a lot of you have you kept in contact with her. So yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> you know why I asked that, don't you? <laughs> well, well, the funny thing, so so her her she told me later that her professor, like at the school, like told the whole class there is this camp if anybody wants to volunteer, and she was the only one volunteering for the events, and um, <laughs> so. Um, yeah, so I went back home and we stayed in touch. And uh, uh, like eight months later, I came back to visit her again. And then uh, we are here like 10 years later. We are married with three kids. <laughs> married with three kids, Mo. It's all good. Let, let's, uh, it's, a, it's a fantastic story. That the, the start of triathlon. Now, we're going to talk about 2016. But between that time and the Paralympics, you did some crazy stuff. I mean, so many of the iconic races in the world you have completed. And uh, and I'm going to come back to these, but you've done Norseman, 
you've done the Hawaii Ironman, you've done Alcatraz, you've, you've done many of the world's sort of iconic races on this uh, on this journey. I want to focus on 2016 because it's our journey. And let, let's talk about it first. And I, I want you to first explain what your category of racing was. So who are the folks that you were racing against? So, yeah, so uh, in general, in my category, it's people with um, um, above the knee amputee in general. This is the, the category where we swim like like everybody else but in cycling either you cycle with one leg or with the with with the bike leg and then uh, we run with the running leg so in general it's above the knee amputee but because of the system they have this new system where also they have people with other conditions and sometimes they have their four limbs and they are racing with us and um so yeah, this is in general the category. We know it's not fair, and we, we whoever whoever writes the Paralympics knows that the Paralympics is never gonna be fair. But when you have somebody with the four limbs racing against you, it's is the is it's very it's very um, what do you say that like huge advantage in their in their sides. It was, and, and as a coach, and for, for the listeners, I had never coached an adaptive athlete before. And two things struck me, first of all. The, the first, when I sort of watched your first race, well before the Paralympics, I couldn't believe the competition. I was like, wow, that, that is absolutely amazing. And you sort of look at the video footage. And, and the second part of it was that that was sort of incredibly uh, against you so far as odds was the uh, not 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 anyone's fault at all but it just so happened the design of the course was really ill-suited to you particularly on the bike and um sort of a, a constant loop course where every turn happened to be the way that was much worse for you with your leg obviously sort of strapped in clipped into the 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 outside so you couldn't gain any leverage or or lateral force on the bike but um but before we dive into the actual race day and race experience, I, I want you to talk about your, your journey to the Olympic Games. So, so how did you, firstly, going into the Olympics, you were, you wouldn't be labeled as a favorite for a medal. Is that a fair enough statement? Yes. Yeah, I was the underdog. Um, two months before the, the, the Paralympics, I finished sixth in the World Championship um, against the same the same competitor yeah so that's a great and that 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 in itself we thought that was a great performance so you and, and well before that the sort of 18 months before we were working with each other I, I want you to go into our coaching relationship a little bit I will try and um uh be as quiet as I can on this <laughs> so, uh, tell me your memories first of being introduced to the the Purple Patch community and and starting the journey with me. Oh man! Um, so once once I knew that I need this is my my opportunity to go to the Paralympics and perform. You just want to put all the odds on your side, and you want the best out there. And uh, even though um, we, I used to live in Sacramento, Matt Dixon is now the best in the area. I mean, in the world, not just here. But it turned out you are in San Francisco. We are, you are, we are two hours uh, up driving apart. But for me, that's, that's a goldmine for me that I should do everything in my, that I can do to get coached by you. So just talking to people, trying to find connection with you and see if I can get you to coach me. So that was the first that was the first uh, challenge for me. And it went very well. I remember we had the first meeting in your house and um, I was, I was, I couldn't believe it that, that it's happening. But for me, the, the thing that still stick with me is uh, like bringing me like with your swim squad, with your running squad and your cycling 
workouts. So for me, like I'm, I love group workouts. I love being challenged, but I wasn't expecting to have access to all this elite athlete that you train. And for me, I, I just like, it's more pressure on my side that I don't have any excuses. I'm training here in San Francisco with Matt Dixon squad. Or that's not like coming for like the the bike workouts and that's it, or the swim workouts and that's it. This is the whole the whole sw- swim bike run. So no excuses. I just need to show up and train and and do my best to to train harder. So yeah, you didn't let any anything for me to to complain about. <laughs> It's funny. It's 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 sort of it's really interesting for me because I've never really spoken to you about your your sort of perspective. And from my side, it was okay. How do I how do I manage this athlete? I've never sort of quote done this before. And then I realized, hang on, he's a human being. <laughs> he's, he's an athlete, and he's got and he's he's a, and he's got world class aspirations. I know what I'm going to do. And it's revolutionary. I'm going to treat him like every other human being, and uh, and and particularly any other human being that has world class aspirations. And we happen to have at the time a really sort of robust group of professional, particularly female athletes yeah. in San Francisco. We had a, a great group, and I thought this is wonderful. I'm going to throw this guy in there, and I'm going to be <laughs> relentless to him, and uh, and I'm going to hold him to the standards because he's going to Rio, or, or we we hope to go to Rio. And the interesting thing that happened, you you said about, well, I'm not going to miss this opportunity. I'm going to show up. You showed up every day and and something amazing happened within the group is it elevated the group. It elevated the, the passion, the excitement. And the only thing that started to dissipate was the excuses. And, uh, and it was just a, a sort of terrific amplification of culture and uh and and it added to world class and i think that's the one thing that that uh that i think the listeners should really understand as well is that you are a world-class athlete you're an adaptive athlete but the the journey to go on everything about you is 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 world-class your attitude how you showed up every detail that you're focused on and i could wax lyric about you just being one of the the greatest athletes I've ever coached because it would be true, but I'm not going to be that nice to you. What I'd like to know is what, what was the toughest, what were the toughest parts of the journey for you? Was it intimidating to go with them? Was it the, the work harder than you expected? Like what was the tough part of that journey? Well, uh, I mean, I all my career uh, as an athlete, I, I, I used to like do a lot of workouts by myself, and I didn't have that uh, uh, that interaction and following the, the workouts, understanding the workouts, and uh, so for me that was that was for me that was very because for me, just go all out all the time, which is totally wrong. Um, but it's something that took took uh, took a long time for me to kind of understand. Um, so for me, that's understanding the, the workout, trusting the process. Uh, I think that, that, those things were the ch- most challenging for me. Yeah, I, I I really remember that the your biggest asset was your ambition and commitment. And it was like many times in life, your biggest weakness as well, because it was yeah. really hard for you to pull back really. And in fact, pull back, not just on a day or a few days, but even in the first 25 of a hundred yard sprint, you know, it's just <laughs> all in. If, it's, uh, if there was a cliff to jump off, you'd go and jump and you'd flap your arms to see if you could fly. And, uh, and of course that was a big part of your success. It was also greatest potential limiter uh, because I, I, I really didn't want you to to get to Rio physically tired. And I also, with your high commitment, didn't want you to be um, uh, so anxious in a pass-fail mindset that it would, uh, it would lead 
the, the performance to sort of implode in many ways. So, so let's talk about race week. And the course, as I mentioned, was a challenge. It was sort of the, the wrong way for you, the setup for the course. But you got there a week ahead of time, and it was the Olympic Games. I mean, this was it. This was it. It's not going to happen again, at least like this. This was the occasion. So I'd love to know your emotions through the week and, uh, and how you went about it. Yeah, so went to Rio, flew by myself from, from San Francisco, and I didn't spend the night in the Olympic Village because uh, Copacabana, where, where the race venue was, is like three hours drive. And uh, I just want to be there to do my training sessions and uh, be close to the race venue. And I was so focused that uh, I was questioning, should I go to the opening ceremony or not? I remember talking to you and say, you need to go, just enjoy it. There is nothing you can do. Just go and enjoy the moment. And I, I, I changed my mind literally the last, the last minute because... Um, wh why not? So I, I, I remember like going to the to the opening ceremony and realizing like enjoying the moment and sinking in like because you get you get in that bubble uh, the race the race the race but you forget about the journey about all that goes with it, which uh, I realized that I missed a lot of those throughout my 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 dream going to Rio 2016. So. Um, so that was something that I learned from you and, and, and I'm so, I'm so grateful for that. Uh, I, I just being in, in, in Copacabana for that, for that whole week after the, the opening ceremony, uh, that visualization of the race venue going every day, uh, doing the, the swim, swim, uh, familiarization by myself. Uh, I remember it was a big news that in that period that the water quality was not good a lot of nationals uh they didn't take their athlete to swim because they didn't want them to get sick but um for me it was on my advantage because i was able to do that swim every day um you learn how to exit with the wave um, and ju just do that every day help me be in my element this is the race day came and it was for me just another day to practice what we have been doing together all this this month uh and and one one of the craziest thing like the olympics you've been waiting for this for four years and then the one day and i was so calm walking to the to the security Carrying all my gears, so happy, so chilling, taking pictures with people, and I was like, I was if it was just like another day of training, and I think that 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 state of mind helped me a lot. Uh, have have my best my best race ever. Uh, so when there, uh, I remember once the gun went off for the swim. Uh, it was just like any other ITU event I raced. I was just going hard, all out, trying to keep up with the pack. I got dropped, but somehow I look on my side and I see one of the, the swimmer that used to be ahead of me all the time next to me. And just at the moment, I, I told myself, this is your day. Don't let go. Yeah, don't let go. Like, I, I, I will die here. So just that that moment also like went have uh amazing swim exit a very fast transition and then again on the bike the the the, the all the practice that we have done before on the the, the parking lot making all those u-turns just u-turns after u-turns after u-turns we had 16 u-turns total in that 20k i told myself I will not let this guy pass me whatsoever. I don't care about the run. I'm just going to do this now. So the 20K went by like this. Uh, the, 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 the two cyclists who were trying to pass me almost got a penalty for drafting because they always try to pass me. I would sprint so hard. I would not let their front wheel pass me. Uh, 
and every every turn exit and yeah and the run uh, i knew the guy who's gonna win because he has advantage because he has um what we call like he has the whole femur like the whole muscle he's he, his amputation just right at the knee so he has the socket the hip socket the whole quad he cycled with two with the prosthetist and and he has his running is way faster than me but uh again i said this small goal in my mind just stick with him until you see the third person and that was it like i was like there is one of those pictures with the guy who won the gold medal from uk and i was just trying to keep up with him next to him pushing it so hard until i saw the french guy who was third position at the time and then i i had a re relief and i let go caught up cut my bread a little bit and then passed the french guy and i was third at the time and uh i was catching up on the second uh position was from italy and he's the guy who has two legs running and man i was like gaining on him so fast that I was like three seconds between me and him for, on the finish line. But I got bronze and I would not complain at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that they, I think that, that the highlights of it was getting the, the mindset right of, uh, of a, a sort of a calm, excitement to be there and a realization of the journey stay sticking with the process and uh, and allowing the race to actually be a celebration it's really interesting and another sort of very proud coaching of mine uh occasion of mine was when tim reed obviously won the world championships in uh, in australia in the 70.3 world championships in 2016 the same year and um i remember both of you had a uh a daunting feeling of for you the olympic games for tim it was the world championships happening in his not just his home country but very close to his hometown and having conversations with both of you about allow this to elevate to be a celebration rather than a pass fail and both of you really managed to get that and embrace that and i remember tim's race plan from me by the time we'd gone through everything was very similar to yours go and have fun, don't let the occasion bypass you because you knew what to do. And we had had you do so many figure of eights in parking lots that you had mastered those 16 turns. You just had to go and do 16 turns and you could get on and go and be free. And that was, uh, that was so fantastic. Uh, I, I wanna shift gears to end the conversation, at least to end the first part of the conversation. And that's, um, I'm going to ask a, a, a couple of questions around the Challenged Athletes Foundation and at the performance reset event that you so graciously came and attended, we were very lucky to provide Juan, a, uh, a young chap from San Jose with his very first real athletic prosthetic from OSHA. And uh, there were tears all around the the socially distant room uh, as, you, as you sort of handed the prosthetic to, uh, to Juan. What I didn't realize was that that was the first time that Juan had ever met anyone else with, a, uh, with the prosthetic. He's grown up till 16 years of age, never met anyone with a, with a prosthetic. The first person that he does is, uh, is a Paralympic bronze medalist, not such a bad way, but... Um, so, so I asked you this first, as an adaptive athlete, you were just a pure poster child of inspiration for him. And you're a poster child of inspiration for many, many others. Do you embrace that? Do you want to just simply be considered an athlete and not, and not a disabled athlete? It's such a tough balance. How do you, how do you reconcile that? How do you, how do you sort of view that as, a, as the inspiration? Yes, um, I mean, for me, if if I didn't had the chance to meet that that guy, that's the Paralympic swimmer when I was twelve, I would not think about the the Paralympics at all or racing at all. So, 
I think if you, if what what is the word? If you don't see it, you, you don't believe in it, or something like that. It's it's very important to show to show and, and and inspire other kids what to do. It's not just the kids. You show to their parents what your kid can do, which is very important. And 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 the event, uh, the reset event, was just another reminder how the CAF mission is very important to not just kids or or any 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 person with disability is the whole society to the parent to the friends that to to remind everybody that people with disability missing any um member or having um any sort of of of, of disability can do things and there is a community out there that can share share knowledge share expertise and lead, like help help the, the person and help their family to do the first step toward getting your life back because I, I I truly believe that I mean for any 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 human like being active is very important but for people with disability it's it's a necessity because it's very important to our longevity to not go to a hospital and being there for for, for the end of our lives we need to maintain our body we need to stay healthy more than other people out there. So the the mission of CAF and, and its community and, and the, 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 the the reset event was a huge reminder. Uh, what, what was the what was the, the, the final amount that you guys were able to raise to raise again for CAF? It, you won't believe it. It's a uh, hundred and five thousand dollars so far. Ooh. Wow. Yeah, on last week's podcast, I, uh, I mentioned seventy-five, but yeah, we've we've gone up. And in fact, this this week's episode is is around U.S. Thanksgiving, and it is Giving Tuesday. And so we are we are continuing the drive to uh, to cl- to to close it out and really try and do something special. Yeah, yeah, that that's so huge. Thank you, Purple Patch. Thank you, all the listeners. That that's it's going to change a lot of lives. Here in the USA and and around the world, so I, I'm so grateful for all of you, to you, Matt, and your team. No, it's thank thank you, Mo, and it's um, you know, one one of the things I realized perhaps more than more than ever I had before. I've always had a we've obviously Kelly and myself and all of Purple Patch have had a deep relationship with the Challenged Athletes Foundation. It was so visceral to see Juan, who clearly loves sport but can only play in goal. Like he, he wants to play soccer, but he can only play in goal. Never met another person as a prosthe- uh, with a prosthetic. And that occasion where you, you stepped up and you gave him the prosthetic, you realized that was the moment that his life was changed. Where, and, and I remember you saying something to the lines of, now you can go and do anything. And those weight, words are weighty, but they were, I realized they were dead true. And, and I also realized that he wasn't just getting a prosthetic. He was getting a community. He was, yeah. he, 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 if, if he steps through the door now, he is going to be surrounded with people that are going to elevate. And uh, it's just a- absolutely magical experience. So, yeah, yeah it, it's just an incredible organization and it's, uh, it, it's an inspiration. And the, the reason that we, that we aligned with challenged athletes beyond our close relationship for this event, the performance reset was there is no better example of navigating adversity than an adaptive athlete. And, um, and so I'm going to, I'm going to finish with one question for you, but what we're going to do then is you're going to hang around and we're going to do a little bonus material. We're going to, I've got three or four more questions to ask uh, and this is just going to be available for for those members of the Purple Patch Performance Academy. And I'm going to ask some really juicy stuff uh, around what I think your strengths are, and um, and some other stuff that around some of your fears and other stuff like that that I think will be quite interesting. But here's my last question for you: If you have to look in the mirror, what is your greatest strengths? Is it your physical talent, your mental strength, your positive attitude? What is the thing that makes you the world-class athlete that you are? Uh, I think 
I, I, my grandma used to pray, say this pray, prayer for me, which the meaning of it is, may Allah make you meet uh, only people that are better than you. And uh, I think I, I look back and I'm so, so grateful. I'm so lucky to meet all these people that were there for me. Like they take me from point to a higher point, to a higher point in my life. And from my parents, from my friend, from the Paralympic swimmer, to my wife, to here in the Bay Area, meeting you, meeting Alan Schenken, CAF. I mean, all these people, I'm, I'm so, I think I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm do, I, I was able to do all this stuff because of these people that I, I met all along my life. So um, this is the, I think this is the strength. That's great. Can I give you my coach's strength of um, what, what I think yours yours is? Uh, I think it's, um, and, and let me preface this, lots of people in their lives are faced with opportunity and for one reason or another fail to walk through the door of opportunity. You are someone that is relentless, that will always walk through the door of opportunity. And when you do that, that first step is, is a tough step sometimes. You will make it happen. And you are one relentless bastard. And you do it all <laughs> with a big smile that's infectious. And so it's no wonder you're so magnetic. <laughs> uh, uh, thank you. Thank you. You are one relentless bastard. And that's why you are going to continue on. And while you'll always sort of anchor around that Olympic medal, your life of opportunity, your athletic accomplishments are still broad and far reaching. And I know that you have a lot still to do. We're going to have you back on the show to talk about the future and some of the other crazy adventures that I think will be really fun. But for right now, Performance Academy folks, you guys can go and listen to the bonus material. I'm going to keep um, Mohammed in this locked room and talk to him for 10 more minutes for everyone else. Thank you very much for listening. Remember, it is Giving Tuesday. So uh, even though you're listening to this after Tuesday, but uh, it is U.S. Thanksgiving. We are supporting the Challenged Athletes Foundation. We want to finish this drive. We're incredibly thankful so far. If you would like to donate, the link is in the show notes. And we will be, literally, we will be, we don't get to say this very often, changing lives. But Mo, thanks so much. If you just stay put, I really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you for having me. It's it's an honor to be with you, Matt. <laughs> Good man. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. And then the outro. Oh, the Mo Man. Thank you so much. Goodness me. I love talking to you. There is much more to give. Remember, folks, we'll see you next week. But it is your last chance. You've only got till December 1st, and then boom, the door will shut. Barry will lock and bolt it down. There will be no more access. An annual membership with two months free of the Tri Squad. Get involved with the Performance Academy, a deeper level of engagement, a chance to engage one to one. I feel like a used car salesman, and I am. I'm a right proper offer daily. The British know what I'm talking about there. All right, folks, thanks so much for joining. Really enjoyed the conversation. Looking forward to more. And most importantly, it is Thanksgiving this week. And once again, Kelly, myself, the Purple Patch team, we would love to thank the whole Purple Patch community, our Purple Patch team, and you guys, the listeners. Stay safe, stay healthy, look after each other. Remember, we're all in it together. Take care. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the Purple Patch Podcast. If you like what you hear, we'd really appreciate it if you share with your friends and even go the extra mile and head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and review the show. The Apple Podcast link is in the show notes. Your support and positive reviews go a huge way in increasing our visibility and also the exposure to time-starved people everywhere who want to integrate sport into life and ultimately thrive. Don't forget, you can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Cheers!